What if every day you had the chance to experience more love and intimacy in your life? We're going to be sharing stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. Enjoy this podcast with Dawn Richard. Wake up to real love. Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I don't even know how to introduce this woman because she's so magical. <laughs> I, I have my new uh, friend and guest, Starlight, Rainbow Starlight. She just rebirthed herself. And she went through this beautiful transformation over the last couple of weeks. And she is here to remind us of our own divinity. You use Starlight uses a lot of different modalities and she is a healer. She's a mystic. She's a tantric priestess. She is an amazing, amazing woman. And so I'm so honored and excited because we got a lot of great stuff to talk about. Welcome, Starlight. Thank you so much. So excited to be here with you. How does it feel to hear your name? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's like twinkling. It li it's liberating. Every time I hear anybody say Starlight, I just, I feel like a dolphin wanting to squeal. Uh -huh. You know, it stop the energy that flows through my body when I hear it, because it's it's my truth, it's my being, it's who I am. And to finally be able to, after 38 years of my life, be here. Mm -hmm. Finally, after 38 years of my life, be able to see myself and experience myself for who I truly am, for who my soul truly is is something that I can't even describe. It's just such freedom. It's like coming home to yourself. So much coming home over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful homecoming. You know, I would always say every time I was in like the darkest places in my life, every time I was in like the dark nights of the soul, which I've had so many, Yes, you have I had many. I always cry and say, I just want to go home. Mm. I just want to go home. But where is home? <laughs> where is home? I mean, that's the question, right? Yeah, that was always the question, but where is home? I want to go home. And this is home, you know? And so when we always, when we say, I want to go home, it's because we are not feeling like we're at home within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's the journey. That's the, our that's our human journey. Our healing journey is to get to the place where we are so at home within ourselves that it is just freedom and liberation all the time. But you you've come a long way, baby. I have. You've I'm come a long way, baby, because you grew up in a different kind of home. You've had all of these transitions throughout your life, and. You know, if you feel comfortable sharing, because you have you were born into a um, into a family that that were trying to create the life that they wanted you to live, yes. not the life of your own choosing. Yes. 
So can you talk a little bit about that to tell us about how your how your view of home has transformed? Absolutely. So wow, what a journey it's been. Yeah. You know, when I was uh, 10 years old, um, my mom left my family and we were living in Dallas, Texas at the time. I was born in Thailand uh-huh. and we were living in Dallas, Texas at the time. And my mom, you know, she left and she just never came back. And my dad packed all of our stuff and dropped me in a religious cult in Thailand where I was engaged at the age of 12 and married as a child bride. And I was married until I was 28 years old. What t- do you remember what your dad told you when you were 12? Like, because when you're 12, it's just when you're starting to be more aware of yourself, right? Absolutely. I came home, you know, one day and my daddy didn't even have to say the religious leader was the one who got me engaged to his nephew. Uh-huh. And this was a religious leader that was molesting me since I was 10. So he mm. molested me for years and years and years. And he got me engaged to his nephew. And I didn't know any better. You know, I just thought that that's just what it was. Like, that's just what was meant to be. And, yeah. Um, when you don't know better, you just, you feel like that's the only way. And that was all it was. Like, I felt like. I was a sinner and the religious leader had told me that I was a sinner and he was washing away my sins. And I really believed him. I really, really believed him. And so I was engaged as a child bride and I lived in a lot of fear for all of my life. For 28 years, I lived in fear. I was submissive. I didn't have a voice. You know, I felt like I was nothing. I felt like I didn't, I was never going to be free. Because you, were, because you were always under this other sense of control because you so much control. because of the because of the age differential because of the power differential it's like you're just a young girl yes you're just a young girl and yet with all of these responsibilities you know a young girl now a wife now a daughter-in-law and you know having to learn how to cook and clean and take care of the house and all of those things. So I grew up really, really fast. I didn't have a childhood. Mm -hmm. And when I was 28 years old, you know, first of all, my whole life, I felt like was a lie. My soul kept telling me that this is not right. Mm -hmm. And that something was wrong and that this is not how I'm supposed to live and that we are all meant to be queens and goddesses and we're not meant to be servants. We're not meant to serve anybody. And yet my outer life was so completely the opposite of what my soul kept telling me. And I would have these dreams, these dreams of this life that I'm now living. And I couldn't understand why I kept having these dreams, these dreams that were so real. Um, And I started talking to my angels and my guides at a very young age. So I would feel them, I would hear them at a very young age. And not understand any of it, not understand how or why or, you know, and so I tried so hard to suppress it because the more that I saw in my dreams and heard, the harder it became to live this reality that I was in. Did, did you have friends that you were talking to about this stuff? 
So I was not allowed to have any friends outside of the cult. Uh And I was such a rebel. You know, I got in trouble a lot because I felt like I was the only one who could never follow the rules. Mm. I just couldn't. Everybody was so happy just being sheep. And I just didn't know how. I didn't understand why I couldn't. I would beat myself up and just say, like, why can't I just be like everybody else? Why can't I just follow the rules so that I stop getting in trouble? Because mm-hmm. I'd come home and get in trouble every day for something or another and be punished. And um, when I was 28 years old, my intuition was really like, this is it. Like, it's now time. And by then, I already had an 11-year-old son. Wow. You know? And I had a span of three hours where my in-laws and everybody lived with us in our home. That's the way it is. And so I had a span of three hours where they would not be home. And at that time, I had just made these two new friends. We we were living in the U.S. at the time, me and my ex-husband and his entire family. We were still part of the cult. And um, there's this woman who I connected with who was like an esthetician at European Wax Center, which I happened to go to. Mm-hmm. And at one of, the, one of the services that I went to get with her, she and I had a conversation where she told me, Alisa, you live in America. Freedom is your right. And it was such a wild concept, you like, know, like she told you that you lived on the moon. Yeah, said. Such a wild concept that I couldn't even understand. And then I just laughed. I just laughed because in my mind, I was like, well, freedom is for you. But for me, that doesn't exist, uh-huh. you know, but something inside of me took her word and like it planted a little seed inside of my soul. And that seed I allowed to germinate. I started reading books and I I was drawn to the law of attraction. The secret had just come out at the time. Mm -hmm. And I watched secret documentary and started applying like, wow, all of these different things and started being drawn to more people who were telling me the same things. And so when I had this span of three hours where nobody would be home, I called my friend, my new friend, and I said, like, I'm ready. I'm ready to leave. She came to my place and we packed a few of my things and I took my son and I ran away. Were you scared? Were you scared? I was shaking. Like, I feel like scared is an understatement. My entire- Terrified. Terrified. So terrified because I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to survive in the real world. I didn't know how to make money. I didn't know how to deposit money in a bank account. I didn't know how to anything really in the real world. You know, I was so suppressed and so submissive. I wasn't allowed to do anything. And I was, it was new. It was like trying everything for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I just knew during that time that if I had the courage to do this, that I would be guided, that I would be supported, and that everything would be okay. 
And wow, I lived in fear for over two years. You know, they were trying to search for me and I was scared that they were going to take my son away and uh-huh. they were going to kill me and the religious leader is really powerful. And so just the loneliness that I felt was insane. I lost my family. I lost my community. I was disowned by everybody. And so here I was. like, And they, and they were the community that you had had since you were 12. Yes. That was like my pillar. That was the community that I had since I was 12. I didn't have anybody else. I didn't know anything else. Wow. And so it was really like mourning everybody. Right. You know, right. just mourning one person itself is so hard. How do you mourn your entire family and your entire community? That's your whole world. Your entire world. Your entire world. And so I was just in this morning, morning period where I didn't know how to get out of this darkness, this deep darkness. And yet I would look in the mirror and say, like, but you chose this. You chose this. So if you chose this, why are you so sad? You because know? I'm still terrified. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I'd wait for my son to go to bed every night and I'd go into the bathroom and turn the music on really loud and just cry and cry and cry and cry. And there was this one day where I was crying and I like got up to wash my face, to blow my nose, you know, and I looked at myself in the mirror there was mascara running down my face and I looked like a crazy person. My hair was all over the place and mascara and snot running down my face. And I remember looking at the reflection of the woman in the mirror and then this surge of power that I don't even know where from like awakened something in me. And I looked at myself and I said, no more. Like, this is it. No more. You've been crying for two years. From today onwards, you're not going to do this again. No more. It's time to take back your power. Wow. And I, I wiped my face and I stopped crying and I just like, it was like something really powerful awakened in me. And I said, all right, I'm going to get my shit together. I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this successful. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that we are living the best life ever. And the next day, um, I applied to New York Film Academy. I wanted to become a journalist. And I wanted to become a journalist because I wanted to become a voice for the voiceless. Mm. You know, I felt like that was the only way. But the first thing was to find my own voice. Find your own voice. Yeah. How can I be a voice for anybody if I didn't have a voice myself? Right. And so I applied, you know, flew my son and I to New York and went to school and I'd always been told by my father that I was nothing, that I would never amount to anything, that I would be nothing, that I was not smart, that I was really dumb. It's just a way to keep you submissive. A way to keep me small. And this Mm -hmm. was me proving everybody wrong, proving myself wrong as well. Because that little voice inside the inner critic was always like, you're never gonna amount to anything. You're not going to be able to do this, you know? So it was working so hard to prove to myself that 
all of those voices are not correct, but they're wrong. And I graduated with a 4.0 GPA. Wow. Yeah. And a month Amazing. later, a month later, I, you know, got a job as, um, as a White House Press Corps correspondent. It's a correspondent for the White House Press Corps during the Obama administration. What? Yeah. And it's wow. so crazy because so people always ask me, Lisa, how did that happen? How did you do that? You know? And the only thing, the only answer that I can always say is listen to your intuition because your intuition will guide you. Your intuition will tell you things to do, people to talk to, where to go, when to apply, what to say. And a lot of times we don't listen to our intuition because we've been taught to not listen to our intuition. Right. We've been taught to listen to all of these other people that we give, you know, authority. Our power to, yes. Our power to, uh-huh. And so in the middle of the night, I couldn't sleep and my intuition said, apply. And obviously my inner critic was like, what? Like, I don't have any experience. They would not. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Why would, why would they pick me? Uh-huh. And my intuition said, just apply. And so I did. I stood up all night and I, you know wrote out my cover letter. I wrote my story. I wrote where I came from, what I've been through, what my journey was, what my purpose was, why I was here, what I meant to do in the world and how I meant to bring about change. And two weeks later, I got an email from them saying that, you know, they wanted me to come in. And so that's what happens. Were you like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I didn't think it was real. Like I thought it was a prank. Literally. You got you got pumped. <laughs> I really it was a show. <laughs> I really did think it was like a you got pumped. <laughs> but magic and miracles happen when we allow it to, when we believe in it. So had you had you that sense of intuition, had you gotten these messages like sort of all along, but you just kept shutting them down? I feel like I've been, my intuition has been really strong from the time my mom left. Uh huh. So when I was 10 years old and that was when I started really cultivating it, really listening to it and not understanding what it was, but really listening and seeing that, wow, when I feel unsafe or when someone, something tells me something bad's going to happen, that's when I get in trouble. Mm. You know, and so really starting to see the signs of that, but still not realizing what it was like. And all of us have that. Like if we have like little things, like you look at a glass and you'll be like, I should move that glass away because it's going to fall. Right. Like all of us, even as teenagers and as kids, we look, we've had those experiences where you look at something, you're like, I should pick that up and move it because for some reason I feel like it's going to fall. And then we are like, oh, no, it's not. And then it falls and breaks. Right. Right. So right. many of those right. things happen. Right. That's really our intuition. And the more that we like listen now, I don't doubt it at all. And there are times that it's so soft that I'm like, oh, it's nothing. And then I'm like, I, I knew better. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I knew better. Why did I not? You know, even with our call today, for example. Yeah. Like I knew that I should not do it at 2 p.m. 
Right. I knew. And then I was just like, oh, it's okay. I'll be able to get back in time. And then I had to message you and be like, hey, can we please postpone it to 5 p.m.? <laughs> yeah, sure. So that's really what happens, you know, and the more we listen to our intuition, the stronger it gets. And your intuition is actually your compass. That is your compass from God. Yeah. That is your compass to lead you to your dharma, to your, to, through your purpose in life. But how do you, I, I think this is an issue with a lot of people because as, as you grow up, you know, and you have more and more expectations put on you by other people. So you get this disconnect of what's like bubbling inside of you versus what other people expect you to do. And so then, and so then you stop trusting that voice. You stop listening to that voice. And so and so there's there's this difference between what your mind tells you, you know, like your egoic mind, like you should you should do, you should go, you should be or whatever, as opposed to this sense of inner knowing. So how do you know the difference between them? It's really important for all of us as humans to work on getting to know ourselves. Mm-hmm. The problem is we don't ever take the time to find out who we are, mm. you know? So step one is start finding out who you are. Like, who are you? Why are you, what makes you tick? Like, who is Dawn? Who is Starlight? What is your purpose? What do you feel drawn to? What was it that you enjoyed doing the most as a child? Get all the way back to the basics to the beginning of time like dancing yeah like dancing dancing. because dancing people think dancing singing they people think all of this these things are a waste of time but the thing is it's not a waste of time because when you're dancing you're awakening the shakti inside and the shakti is the kundalini energy the shakti is a divine feminine whether you're a man or, or you're a woman, when you are doing things that are awakening the, the feminine energy inside of you, she is the intuition. Mm-hmm. She is the source of all things. She is the, she's Creative. the elixir of your life. Mm-hmm. And so when you get back to asking yourself the basics of what did I, what brings me, what lights me up, what brings me joy, Mm-hmm. What is it that I used to love doing so much as a child? If you start cultivating that, that is when the magic elixir starts working in through your body. That's yeah. when your womb starts creating all of these things. That's when you start becoming a source of creation for your life. Yes. So when, so when you had this job, did you feel this creative energy just, you know, really expand? Not, not in the way that I was hoping, because obviously as a journalist, you cannot just say what you want to say. You're being controlled and you're being told what to say, what not to say. It's not really you mm-hmm. reporting, you know, you're just the face but it did really help me connect to the source of my voice, mm. the source of my power. It opened up my throat chakra. Yeah. 
you know, which was so closed. So it opened up my throat chakra and allowing me to speak. As it allowed me to speak, I started speaking more of my truth. Mm-hmm. And when I started speaking more of my, my truth, that connected me even more to all the sense of intuition, to everything else. I was able to write. I was able to start being more authentic. And then when I, I left because I felt like I wasn't able to grow anymore. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to really be my truth. Now that I started feeling like I'm done with just talking and speaking, I wanted to really live it. I wanted to really live my truth. And I couldn't do that as a journalist. Mm -hmm. You know, wanting to be the voice for the voiceless, I couldn't. Like, how could I be a voice for the voiceless? When When you were being told what to say. When I have a script that I have to learn every day, you know, if I, if I did disagreed with the script, there's nothing I could do. And so I started being very inauthentic. Mm. It was this inner battle that I was going through because there yeah. were things that I was having to report that I didn't believe in. Mm, right. Right. And so that was that leaving that led me to spirituality, led me to you know, connecting to my soul more. I met a Reiki practitioner who, oh my gosh, my Reiki session with her really opened me up to this spiritual realm. And so, so then this was more like more stepping into your truth. Yes, this was, um, instead of stepping into my truth, I would say it was, going into the deep darkness of myself, mm-hmm. you know, going really, really, really deep into the depths of the darkness of my soul and of things that happened to me as a child that I had suppressed and not remembered. Yeah. And once I opened that Pandora's box, it was like, wow. <laughs> I felt it in the beginning, it feels like you're going backwards, you know? I was going to say, it probably feels like you're being consumed by the darkness. Yes, it really does. It really does. It it started, I started having nightmares every night, Uh you know, and I started crying in my sleep and screaming in my sleep and just not understanding what was going on with me. Now, all of a sudden it was all coming out Mm -hmm. and I, I couldn't deal with it. It was just too much for me. I wanted to go back to being asleep, you yeah. know, because now that I was starting to awaken, it was just harder than I'd ever thought. Really painful. So painful, so painful. And the darkness was just so dark. And also like trying to see like, where is this coming from? Is this real? Did all these things really happen to me? Right. Am I just making this up in my head? Am I just making this up in my head? And uh-huh. yet so clear it's so clear why I was the way I was why I had all these trauma responses why everything was a fight or flight for me Mm -hmm. you know and so once I started going through that journey it always gets really 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 dark before it starts getting lighter always darkest before the dawn always darkest before the dawn such darkness before the dawn but such a worthwhile journey you know, once you reach the light, wow. 
it's beyond your mind can comprehend. I think a lot of people are afraid to, to face their darkness. Yeah. Because and it does have that sense of being all-consuming or overwhelming or if I allow myself to feel all of these hurtful things that I don't know if I'll ever come up. Yeah. How do, you, how do you help people face themselves? You know, the most important thing about healing is acceptance. Yeah. It really is about acceptance and it's hard it, I don't I don't blame anybody for being scared to go into the darkness, you know. I completely understand because it is very dark and it can be very hard. But if we accept everything that we're going through in every part of the journey and have someone hold you, mm-hmm. don't do it. You don't have to do it alone. No, you have to have somebody who holds a safe container for you so that you do feel mm-hmm. trusting. It, yes. You know, that you're being supported and held. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just accept, accept where you are in your journey. You know, you don't have to rush. There's no race. It's not a race. It's one right. step at a time. Right. And to give yourself so much love and compassion. Not to be hard on yourselves. You know, we've been taught and told that if we're not up by a certain time, doing all these things, doing, 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 achieving, that we're lazy and that we'll amount to nothing and that we're not good enough and that, so we beat ourselves up. Right. If you're on a path of healing, you're healing things on a level that you can't even see. And so that takes a real toll on your body. It really does. And it's, there are going to be days where it's hard to get out of bed, you know? Mm-hmm. And so be kind to yourself. Like if you can't get out of bed, don't. You're right. not lazy. Just stay in bed. <laughs> Just stay in bed. It, you're not being lazy. You're not being unproductive. You're not, you know, and that is the thing is we live in this patriarchal society where t- that tells us that you're lazy and you're this and you're that. But you just have to start learning how to listen to your body. Your body. Your body. Your body will tell you what it needs. So instead of taking pain pills or coffee or external stimulants to make it function, just listen to it. If you just honor your body, if your body is saying, I'm hurting, rest. If your body is saying, I'm sleepy and you can sleep, sleep. And when you are nurturing and loving to your body, when you listen to it, it's going to love you back. But if you're going to take a whip and hit it every time, right? you know, which is what we're taught. We're taught to whip ourselves like a horse. You know, if it's not running, you whip it. If we do that to our bodies, it's not going to love us back. And then we have all these things we go through mental health issues and all these things with our body that, you know, we don't understand where it's coming from. And it's because we are never taught to listen to our body. From the time we are children, we're taught that we're wrong. Mm-hmm. But if we just listen to our body, you know, it will take care of you so well. It will love you so much. 
It's like when, when you, when you were talking about the whipping, it's like, that's when you disconnect from all of the things that are really going on for yourself. And so then that's where you have this dis ease in your body, you know, and then, and, and all of your whole cellular structure is affected by that. So that's where depression comes from and anxiety and addiction, all of these ways that we're not paying attention to what we really want. Yes. You know, Lewis Hay wrote an amazing book, How to Heal Your Life, Heal Your Life. That's one of my Bibles. Yes. Yeah. And she has a glossary for every body part that hurts and how it's related to something emotional. That's very real. It's very real. You know, if we're, if we're emotionally not there, our body is going to tell us. And how amazing is that? How beautiful is that? So for me, for example, I used to have the worst sciatic pain down both my legs. It would flip flop sometimes the right, sometimes the left. And sciatic pain means feeling unsupported feeling unsupported, feeling like you're carrying the burden of the whole world on your, on your legs, you know, your hips, feeling like fear, fear of the future. Right. And it was very true, very, very true, because I did feel so unsupported. I wasn't supported. You weren't supported. No. It was just me. And so it started coming out as sciatic and such bad sciatic. And it's gone away completely there are days where it'll it'll come back and every time it comes back I will talk to it like instead of being like oh my god like why is it back again I will literally just observe the pain and instead of hating on it I will literally talk to it and be like wow I hear you I see you showing up again you know how are you feeling unsupported right now what would you like How can I support you more? What is it that we need? And it will actually talk to you. And when you listen, it goes away. So that's something that we've never been taught. We've never been taught how to communicate with our own body. This is our body and we still don't understand it. We don't know how how to communicate with it. You know, so if we are open to asking questions instead of just going to a doctor and taking some pills, if we sit with it and say, wow, my knee is hurting right now. What are you trying to tell me? Where is this coming from? What do you need? How can I help you? And you just quiet, just be quiet, you know, and listen or journal, bring a pen and a paper and start writing, just writing, writing, writing. The answers actually come. And then you will look back and wonder, like, who wrote that? Where did that come from? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I told you when I was 25, I wrote, remember your truth. And I was like, what does that mean? That, <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, that's our higher self, you know, our higher self, our angels, our guides communicating with us. Mm-hmm. And we just have to learn to listen. If we listen, we can really just, it's like a dance, a dance with our mind, our body, our soul. It's so beautiful. And we'll never feel lonely because we have this. Guidance system. Absolutely. Such a beautiful guidance system. Yeah. 
So once you start paying attention to this guidance system, I mean, once you started paying attention to that, how did your life transform? You know, I kept getting guided to more things. So after I had my first Reiki healing session, I was guided to become a Reiki healer, become a Reiki master. And I was taught to, you know, learn more about my psychic abilities. I was guided to go to India to learn more about yoga. I was guided to like, you just keep every step of the way you start getting guided to the next thing. And along this process, are you saying what, why? <laughs> like you get these messages, you're like, huh, that doesn't make any sense. I remember when I got, when I, when I heard like, it's time to go to India to, to become a yoga teacher. And I'd be like, what? Like, what? I don't want, I don't want to be a yoga teacher. <laughs> okay. Like, yoga is cool and all, but like, no, I don't want to be a yoga teacher. That's not what I see for my life. <sighs> then I learned about yoga and I realized that everything that the West teaches you about yoga is all wrong. Mm. yoga is not asana asana is the workout yoga that's one leg of the five legs of yoga is the workout the body mm -hmm. but yoga is actually the connection of your soul to the divine mm. and in each yoga class the reason that you're doing all these different poses is because your body is actually like a satellite system Kind of like your house, when you get a house and you want Dish Network or Direct TV, you have a satellite and you move it in different directions to see where it will, when, which direction picks up the network. Uh -huh. Right? So you keep moving it until you point it at one direction and then a hundred channels, a thousand <laughs> channels. Whoa, you're like, how did that happen? That's actually what we're doing in yoga with our body. We're moving it in all of these different directions to see which direction will pick up source, which direction will pick up the downloads. Mm -hmm. So we're using our body in the same way with all of these poses because that's what we are. We are the satellite dish. Mm -hmm. And so when we're doing all these asanas, we're connecting our mind, body, soul to the divine. And we become a channel. And that was something that nobody's taught. Like I wasn't taught that. Yeah, nobody's taught that. Nobody's taught that. And I remember having a conversation with my friend and telling her this and her saying like, whoa, I never even thought about that. I thought yoga was just a workout. Like I felt calm after it. I felt like I was in a meditative state after it, but I never knew that all of these things that we do is because we are the satellite dish. You know, so if we're not being taught the basics, how are we going to know? That's why a lot of times when we hear our intuition, it's very important to just say yes. Because our outer circumstances, we don't understand. Our soul knows the answer, but we have never been taught why. If I had said, I don't want to be a yoga teacher, like no, and no to yoga, I wouldn't have understood that my body is this beautiful vessel for a divine, as a divine channel. Right. And not just me, I'm not special. All of us are. Right. Every single human being is an intuitive. Right. Every single human being is a channel. It's just that we've become and we've been taught to 
to disconnect in such a big way that we're so far away from the connection to our source. Well, and we have all of these distractions around us, you know, that that block us from from this connection. So that's why it's so important to get quiet. So important to get quiet. So important. So important to put the right things inside, whether it's what you're watching, what you're eating, you know, all of it. What you're saying. All of it is so important. We're in a world where we're, you know, fast food in the U.S. is cheaper than healthy, organic food. Right. That way for a reason. They're trying to keep everybody asleep. Because if it's not nutritionists, you're being disconnected from the source, from the plants, from the energy. When you don't have life force energy, you can't function. And that's why you have to go to the doctor. That's why you need medication. That's why you're on all these drugs because you're you're suppressing your life force energy inside. And if your life force energy is becoming dull and dim, you're, you're getting in a, you're faster and faster deteriorating and going into a sleep state. And once you change your lifestyle, eat veggies, eat fruits, eat organic things, no more junk food, no more things with preservatives, then your life force energy starts up again. It doesn't matter how old you are. I'm 38 years old and I feel younger my body looks younger than when I was a teenager. I have abs that I've never had before. You know, I used to have really bad breathing problems. I can breathe beautifully. And it's just because I've changed the way that I live. But I was going to say all these things um, in, intrude on the signal of your satellite to source. Yes, it's the cobwebs. It's the cobwebs that show up. It's like all the junk, all the gunk, uh-huh. you know, all the bird poop that's on top of it. Walking. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what we're putting into our body. Uh-huh. And it stops it. That's why when you, when you have a, a dish, you have to clean it after a while. Right. Uh, our bodies are the same thing, you know. It's very important for us to purge, for us to clean, for us to clear our vessel. Because if your vessel is dirty, you can't connect. You just can't. And so so part of this cleaning your vessel is really that reconnection with yourself. You know, it's like taking taking care of all these different aspects, like your spiritual connection, your psychological connection, your um, emotional connection, your physical connection. And I, I think, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but yoga, the five tenets of yoga, I don't, I don't know them. I mean, I think I, I know them, but I don't know them. <laughs> um, but isn't, isn't it really related to presence? Yes. Presence like Tantra, which Tantra is all about presence. Yes, it is. It's all about the consciousness. It's all about you in your consciousness, your soul's consciousness, you connecting to, you con- you connecting your mind, body, and soul together. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. All of it, that's what it's about. And that's the things that are missing. You know, we're taught like go work out and lift weights. 
Um, but you're not taught that there is something as a mind, body, soul connection. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very, very important. That's the part that's missing. So how did you, how did you go from, from your, from your Reiki and then to your yoga? And then was the next development, the Tantra part of your journey? Yeah. So it all actually kind of came around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, really in this, like it all just kind of came around the same time. And um, what was really, really huge for me that really allowed me to actually see my light was when I went to, when I got called, when I kept getting dreams of going to Peru to do ayahuasca. Mm. So um, last to last, maybe like two years ago, three years ago, Uh um, two years ago, I kept getting the call. I kept hearing that it was time for me to go to Peru. Mm. I didn't know anybody that had done ayahuasca I was very scared. I'd heard some crazy things about it. I've heard really crazy things about it. (laughs) I heard some crazy things about it. I didn't know who to reach out to. I asked everybody in my circle. Nobody knew about it. And so I kind of put it aside like, I'm not going to do this. Not going to do this. Too scared, you know? Uh And I kept getting dreams. Like I kept getting dreams. It was like coming to me. And I kept hearing that you cannot go to the next part of your journey until you come to Peru and do ayahuasca. So I said, okay. And I started researching, like going on the internet and researching. And then I came across this one article where this woman, this American woman talks about her shamanic journey and she tagged the retreat center that she was at. So I clicked on the retreat center and opened up um, a TripAdvisor page of theirs. And there was over 2000 reviews. Wow. And I read through almost all 2,000 reviews. Wow. And every review was like, I used to have PTSD. I used to have bipolar disorder. I used to have all these different things. I used to have like eating disorders. I used to have, and I went to Peru and I did ayahuasca and I'm cured. It changed my life. Wow. And I just kept reading about it. And I was like, what the heck is this? Right. Like, I don't understand how, you know? So I reached out to the owner. He's American. His name is Jim. I reached out to him and um, I said, I'm ready. Like I read through all the reviews. I feel very confident, comfortable. I read amazing things and I booked it. I booked my journey. And when I went, I stayed there for a month And I did eight ceremonies. And is that, is that typical? Yeah. Around. So if you're, you can stay for nine days is generally nine days is generally four ceremonies, 12 to 15 days. It's like six ceremonies. Um, So you get to choose different options. And um, I went there and after the, the first one, the first one that I did was like a welcome home. It was so much light. I felt like I was in the womb of the mother and it was so bright and so beautiful. And she showed me my light. She showed me who I was. 
like the truth of my soul. Mm-hmm. And I cried so much. I cried, I cried, I cried, but it was so hard on my body. I purged so much gunk, like so much. And I saw all the darkness I was purging. Then the second one that I had was completely the opposite. It was so dark. There was so much darkness. I remember it was like, I, I, the vision that I had was like I was on a roller coaster, like a cart, a roller coaster cart. And we were going through, you know, like this path. And it was all light first, beautiful lights, but something eerie. I felt chills. I was like, oh my God, it's going to get really dark. I feel it. And from it being really light, it was like she took me into the underworld. And I just saw so many demons and darkness and so intense darkness. I started crying. I was really scared. I felt like I was in a horror movie. And I told her, like, I don't want to see this. This is this is when people say, a lot of people say, I had a really bad trip. Mm. Right? People say I had a really bad trip, but it's not a bad trip. It's actually you're being shown the darkness within that you have to purge. Right. People it's, like, it's a detox is what it really is. Yeah. So people don't understand that it's not just a bad trip. You have to go through these bad trips, these darkness to purge it, to come to the light. And so it was just a lot of darkness. And I was crying and I said, like, I was talking to mother ayahuasca and I said, she comes in the form of like a snake, like a mother, like an energy. And I was telling her like, I'm so scared. Please. I don't want to see this. Like it's a really, I hate horror movies. It's very scary. Please don't show me this. Please take me away. And she told me, she said, for us to purge the darkness within ourselves, we have to face our darkness. Mm -hmm. We have to see what it is, look at it, give it love and release it. And so she said, are you ready to do that? And I said, yes. You know, I said, yes, I'm ready to do whatever it takes. I don't want this darkness anymore. Like, I don't want this. And so it was a long, terrifying journey, really terrifying journey. But after I purged all of it, I just saw her fill me with this crazy beam of light, like being poured from the heavens, like all this light into my body. Wow. And it was dark for at least four, four, four ceremonies was very dark, really, really dark. That's why they say if you, if, if it's an, if, it, if it's your first time, don't just go for one. Don't just do those one-offs. Go to a retreat center where you get to do like a number of ceremonies because mm-hmm. each one leads to the next. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's like peeling layers. It's, yeah. it's, it really is peeling layers. And so my fourth one was when I experienced a death and rebirth. I saw myself dying. And I saw, and then I felt myself giving birth to myself. Like I was in my own birthing canal, giving birth to myself. Wow. But that was not starlight yet. That was still just Elisa. Uh And then the fifth ceremony, she talked about how, you know, there are all of these things in the world, all of these temptations in the world and how we have to be careful that if we want to continue choosing the light, we have to consciously choose what we are attracting into our lives and how we have to keep our vessel so pure that our vessel is divine. We can't just let anybody into our vessel. We can't just let anything into our vessel. 
What do you mean by that? Just for the listeners. I mean, whether it's just having casual sex, hooking up, you know, and this is coming from a non-judgmental place, but it's coming from a place where when you start respecting your vessel, when you see yourself as divine, your vessel is your home, your body is your home. You have to be so careful who you allow into your home, into your body. It's like you wouldn't just pick up any person off the street and say, hey, come on in. You can't just pick up random people off the streets and say, come on into my home with your dirty, muddy shoes. You know, you have to do the same thing with your vessel, with your body. You have to be really careful who you choose to allow into your vessel. Mm -hmm. You're having sex with, because whatever, whoever you have sex with, you are, you are accepting their darkness. That's really what's happening. And if there's someone that's, if they're unconscious, if they're not doing the work, you are literally saying yes to their demons. Mm-hmm. Now, not only do you have your own demons in your body, now you also have their demons in your body. It's like, it's like whatever energy they're carrying, they're trans, transferring their energy to you. And so that's why it's like you have to protect your own vessel. You have to. And that's why a lot of women, you know, a lot of women say like, a lot of women are like, oh, the sex was so good. It felt so good. And then after that, now I feel so empty. So empty. I feel so empty. And it's not, it's, it, there is a reason why we feel empty. We feel empty because the other person just took your life force energy and put their emptiness into you. So now you have their darkness, their emptiness, whereas they got to take your, your love, your beauty, all of it. And now you're empty. Now you're empty of life force energy. And you're depressed and you're sad. And now you're having to go through the motions of filling yourself back up again. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that, that that happens for men too. I mean, it's it, who, whatever situation... Um, it's that I think a lot of people try to fill themselves up with sex. And so they, it's almost like they use somebody to make them feel better because they're, they're less willing to face their own darkness. And so this is, this is why it's so important to, to clear your own channel, yes. right? To clear your own channel and only allow in the energy that you want to be around. That's why it's so important to know the person. Mm -hmm. Do you like who they are? Do you enjoy their energy? Do you feel like they're light? Mm -hmm. It's very important. Do you do you feel like uplifted when you're around them or do you feel like (laughs) pulled down? Absolutely. Absolutely. So many, so many, so many parts of it, you know, that we're not taught. Um, But our vessel really is divine. And so as we're purging, we're clearing, we're cleaning. And then the more that you're clearing and you're cleaning your vessel, it's becoming lighter and lighter and lighter. Then there's less in there. There's less darkness. And then you reach a point where, wow, you don't see the darkness anymore. And I can really say that because I feel like my life has been an example of it. When I was reborn as Starlight, which was really just a month ago, 
very recent, I had a huge purge and it was like I, I awakened, like fully awakened and was transported to heaven. I saw heaven. I was living heaven. Everything around me was heaven. And that's when I heard your name is starlight. You are rainbow starlight. That is your soul. It's now time. It's now time. And so when we have the courage to go through all of our darkness, the journey of our darkness, we then come to a point where we are reborn as our light, our soul's light. And it's the most beautiful place to be. Do you think that people, um, people judge their darkness? Because I feel like, you know, darkness is a part of our existence. You know, like it's dark outside for me. <laughs> it, and we don't say, oh, it's bad. It's not. It's right. Really so it's like, how do we how do we learn to accept? Because I because I think that acceptance acceptance is one of the biggest parts of of love. Because a lot of times we we reject, we push away, we avoid um, the darkness because we because it's overwhelming. We don't know how to process it. We don't know how to actually be in it. But yet. It's part of who we are, just like the night is also part of the day. It's part of the 24 hours of our existence. And we need to accept all of it because how would you recognize the light if you didn't experience the dark? Your darkness is a portal to your brightest light. Right. So if you didn't have your darkness, you would not be able to experience all of your light. You know, it's only in the darkness that we can see the moon and the stars. Mm -hmm. That is the beauty of the darkness. In your darkness, you get to see your light, your brightest light. Your darkness is your, car is your strength. Your darkness is something that's there to build your strength. And so your darkness is... It's like a school, you know, it's like school where your darkness is, are those things, those hurdles that you have to learn to get over. And when you learn to let get over them, they, it, it's easy then, you know that it's still there. Learn to get over them. You've learned to jump over them. You've learned to accept them. You've learned to love on them. You've learned to not judge them. And when we don't judge something, it just dissipates by itself. When we give it energy and we hate on it, that's when we make the monster bigger. Right. That, that resistance, that pushing is like, uh, I, I say, it's the things that we suppress. Yes. Um, they remain hidden. Yes. And we don't, we can't deal with them. But as soon as you allow them to come out, come out and play almost come out and play like what do I need to learn from this where where am I limiting myself or where am I uh, feeling a sense of separation from either myself or from somebody else like what is 
what is this? This is also part of my GPS, my internal GPS. So where is it guiding me? Absolutely. You know, and that's when we're suppressing, it comes out in other toxic ways. Mm -hmm. That's why you hear about so many priests, for example, molesting children, right? Because they're suppressing, they're suppressing their sexual desire. And then what happens? They end up doing things that they're not supposed to do hidden. Right. Or to whoever. It's because they have these desires. If they were not suppressing it, it wouldn't be a bad thing. If they were not suppressing their sexual desires and having sex on a regular basis with whoever being open about it, it won't come out in a very toxic way where they're now doing things that are illegal behind closed doors, you know? So when we, when we suppress ourselves and judge ourselves, it comes out and becomes a monster. Right. This is what addiction is. This is what, you know, anxiety and depression is. It's like, it's disconnecting from these aspects of ourself that are really here to teach us how, how to see more of our light. Absolutely instead of judging and shaming and absolutely holding all that holding all the non-acceptance within us absolutely absolutely we're all human and we all have things that we have to work on Mm -hmm. when we realize that we don't have to put on a facade and a mask and a face to be accepted and are just allowed to be that's when we can really step into our power. But when we put on a facade or a mask and pretend we're the good girl or the good boy or doing the things that society is telling us to do, we're hiding and disowning parts of ourselves. Mm-hmm. That then comes out later. That's where the cheating comes from. That's where the lies come from, the betrayal. All those things come because we are judging ourselves. Right. And pretending to be what we're not, or, you know, pretending to deal with the things that we're not dealing with. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how, how did this Tantra um, experience that you just had, how does that help like integrate all of these aspects of yourself to come to this place of, I am the one, I am my own beloved. So for me in particular, I had a lot of shame around, I've had a lot of shame around sexuality mm-hmm. when I was young, you know? Of course, of course. So much so that I felt like that's been my biggest struggle mm-hmm. was my sexuality. Feeling like I feel sexy and it feels nice to be called sexy, but then also a little, some kind of shame. Mm-hmm do with it and I a lot of women and men feel that as well yeah you know and um my my father from the time I was young would say like your mother is a slut your mother is a whore you know all of these things and I started hearing that from the time I was nine years old and so feeling very disconnected with my sexuality and not understanding why I wouldn't enjoy sex Mm -hmm. I just wouldn't like I was married and I would just, Oh, I hated it. Like, well, you had all of, all of this um, trauma associated with your sexuality. 
so much trauma. I didn't know how to pleasure myself. I didn't understand my own body. Uh-huh. How to orgasm. I never had an orgasm until I was 31 or 32 years old. You know, so disconnected with my body. And Tantra really taught me to be comfortable in my own skin. Tantra really taught me that I am divine, that my vessel is divine, that I deserve to be loving on myself. It taught me how to love myself. It taught me how to caress myself. It taught me how to look at myself. It taught me how to be comfortable in my own skin. It taught me that I don't need to feel shame for who I am or what I am. You know, there was this ceremony this time, and I've been to many, many things around Tantra, but this time in particular, there was this one one ceremony that we had. It was called the serpent, the serpent ceremony. And it was where everybody was to strip completely naked, First of all, that itself is scary. With, with strangers? Ah! I mean, that itself is scary. It's so scary. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I've never done anything like that. I'm like, well, yeah, that's weird. Me too. Everybody in so many different shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. And the shaman is beating the drum. And you're releasing the layers of conditioning and coming back to how humans were before we had clothes. Before we had shame. Before we had shame, before we had clothes, before we felt the need to cover ourselves. Mm -hmm. You're coming back to being men and women of the earth, Mm. one with the nature. And you're standing around in a big circle, everybody's holding hands and really connecting to yourself and your soul. And the shaman is beating the drum and he's saying, releasing, release, just release it all. You don't need it. You're not holding on to it. You are not your body. You are your soul inside and you're feeling this inside your body. You're no longer feeling shame for how your body looks for whether you shaved, whether you have pubic hair for what any of it, you're just feeling embodying the God within you. You're embodying the goddess within you. And as he's doing this, You know, then there's um, a mud ritual, a clay mud ritual where each person, each, each, like people get into groups of threes or fours and each, each group is putting the clay mud on the one person and speaking life into them, telling them you're releasing all of these things. You are not these things. You are the divine. You are God. You are goddess. You are reincarnated. You are meant to be here. You're meant to serve as yourself. And it was the most liberating, empowering thing I've ever done. Ever done. In my culture, you're not even allowed to be naked. The religion that I came from, you're not allowed to even shower naked. You have to always wear, have your underwear on, even when you're showering. You're not allowed to be naked. And to come from that, where I was 
had to cover every part of myself, even showing my arms or like my knees were a sin to coming into a journey to this where I'm in a beautiful shamanic ceremony where I am not my body, where I am my soul within and releasing every single shame that I have from every part of me is liberating beyond anything that I have ever experienced. And I would recommend everybody do it. Wow. I took two of my friends with me. I, can't, I won't even say my friends, acquaintances. I actually just met them. And I host a lot of ceremonies. I'm in Playa del Carmen right now in Mexico. And I host ceremonies in every country that I go to. And I host was doing these ceremonies like breath work, Kundalini, Kundalini um, breath work and yoga and chanting mantras. And I met these two women and I connected with them and I said, you, sh you should come. They were talking about shame, a lot of shame to do with sexuality and their body. And I said, you should come, just come. You don't have to participate in anything that you don't want to participate in. Right. No, it's really optional, but just come see how you feel. And when you're in a space where everybody is comfortable or willing to, willing. willing to step out of their comfort zone, you feel less alone. You feel less scared because you're like, Oh my gosh, we just had this conversation that this scares me and you're doing it. Yes. You're doing it. Yes. Okay. I guess courage. I'm afraid and I'll do it anyways. So I'm going to do it too. And you're crying so much because, oh, you're releasing the fear, all this fear and all the shame, the, all these conditionings, all of this shame and all this judgment that the world and society and your parents and teachers and friends and strangers yeah. and media and television has put on you. And you're standing completely bare, completely bare with nothing to hide at all anymore. It is really when you see your true soul. And then after you're done with that, you're just like, holy fuck, I'm amazing. <laughs> what was that? Like, how, what did I just do? What did I just experience? I am one with the earth. You're using the clay and the mud and the soil to cover yourself. You're like, I am the earth. Mm. The mother is me. Like she is me and I am her. There's no difference. We are all one. We came here without shame. We came here naked. Yeah. We don't need the shame anymore. We don't need it. And it's scary as heck. It's so scary. But it's so worth it. It's so worth it. It's facing all of that darkness and being, you know, hiding and completely covering yourself, you know, covering yourself. And then you come, when you were talking about it, it's like you are completely exposed and vulnerable. Yes physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. 
and everybody is crying at the same time. You're not alone. Everybody is releasing. You're not looking at the other person as a sexual being. You're not looking at their parts. You're not looking. That's what society tells us. Like we have to cover because there's shame. People looking right. at right. Your, looking at your boobs. People are looking at your ass. People are. There's none of that. When you come to a point where you're just like I am, just like the tree. Mm. I'm rooting myself into the ground. Wow. It is no longer any shame. You are just one with nature. You just are nature. Wow. And then there's nothing to hide anymore. Then you can really come out into the world as your authentic self, a million percent authentic. And how do you feel about yourself when you come out on the other side? There's just so much love and acceptance, when you love and accept yourself to this degree, you see the love and compassion for everybody else. Mm. The reason that we are not able to hold space for people or be compassionate for others is because we're not compassionate of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen that the more of this work that I do, the more level of compassion I have for others, the more patience I have for myself and others. Mm-hmm. So when they say like, I, you know, I would have a lot of people say like, Alisa, all this stuff is going on in the world and you're being so selfish. You're just focused on yourself. What people don't understand is you have to heal first. When you are healing, everybody else is healing. Right. When you heal you are a vessel for the divine and you can be a lighthouse. Right. The more work you do on yourself, the more you're able to go out there and spread this light to everybody. Even if you just spread it to one person, that person receives your light, spreads it to two more people, to five more people, to 10 more people, to 20 more people, to 100 more people. That all started with you. You know, so our most, the most important thing that we can do every single day is to heal ourselves. Because the more we heal, the more we are healing our ancestors, our family line, the people after us, the generations after us, every single person and thing that comes across our path receives this healing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's it's like you're the one candle and you light one candle that lights one candle that lights one candle. And then all of a sudden the whole world is lit. And all you did was light your own candle. And you recognize that you are starlight. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You are starlight. Yes. And you light up the sky. Yes. So beautiful. How liberating. The most, the most beautiful. And this is just the beginning. Yeah. I've just been reborn at Starlight. Like this is just the beginning. You know, I'm so excited for this journey. 
so beyond excited. I've never been able to say that and really truly feel it from the core of my soul. Uh-huh. You're like, what's coming? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. I can't wait to see another amazing things going on. <laughs> and the healing continues, you know? The healing continues because the layers, they just they just keep coming off. Yeah. That's our journey as a human is to continue healing, mm-hmm. to continue learning, to continue growing. Every time anybody asks me what what do I do, I always say I'm a student of life. Yeah. Because I really am. Like yeah. I'm so I'm so hungry to learn. The more that I know and the more that I learn, the more I feel like I don't know anything. Right. Of course. You know? It's like when I was younger, I'd be like, I know. Mom and dad, don't tell me I know. I know. Right. Wow, I really don't know. Yeah. The more that I learn, the more that I see that everything here is an illusion. Right. And the truth is inside. It really is inside. We just have to have the courage to go into the darkest parts of our soul. Because that is where the key is. Our portal, the dark is our portal to our light. Right. Coming home to your own light. Yeah. So how, how do you define real love, Starlight? <sighs> real love to me is acceptance. Acceptance of oneself and acceptance of another. You know, to not go into anything wanting to change anybody. You can't change anybody. You can just keep healing. And when you have love, unconditional love for yourself, when you keep choosing yourself, you are number one. So when you always choose yourself and pick you in every situation, no matter what it is, you have so much love for yourself that you're always picking yourself as number one. That love automatically comes to you. However we treat ourselves, however much, how, whatever amount we love ourselves is the amount of love we attract into our life. And so love for me is just to continue healing and learning and growing because the more I choose me in every single situation, the more that I am able to spread that out through the love that I have for myself. And that comes back to me. I don't have to look for it. I don't have to search for it. I don't have to be like, where is the love of my life? The love of my life is me. Yes, the love of my life is me. And so if I am the love of my life, I experience love everywhere I go. In every situation I'm in with everybody that I connect with. And when you're and when you're filling yourself up, I mean, because some people might listen to that and say, well, that's just being selfish. But it's like, how can you love others if you feel empty? It's like you you can you can give the most love when you feel the most full of love. 
That's like, you know, looking for a partner to fill you up. No, you have to fill yourself up so that you can be that partner that you want to have. Yes. Or you can be the friend that you want to have, or you can be, you know, however you show up in the world, when you give of your fillness and your light and your joy, that's the candles that you light up, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so important, you know, because if you are not full, you're like an empty teacup. Mm -hmm. How are you going to go around pouring from an empty teacup? You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You just can't. You can't expect someone else to fill your cup. You can't look for love outside of you because it's never going to com- compete. It's never going to. It's never going to complete you, and you're always going to feel a sense of not enough. Mm-hmm. Like not enough. That's where the codependency comes from. That's where the toxicity comes from. When we are looking for love outside of ourselves, you know, people say like, make a list to attract your lover, like make a list to attract your ultimate soulmate. When you're making a list to attract your ultimate soulmate, after you're done with that list, go back and see if you are every single one of those things. Right. Because if you're not every single one of those things, that person will not come into your life. Right. You have to be at that level. You have to be at the same energetic level in the same vortex as all those things for it to be in your life. So if you're making a list, make sure that you are doing the things to become that person. Mm -hmm. And then that person will come into your life. Yeah. It's like you have to embody love. You have to embody love. To be love. Yeah. That That your temple is your home. Yes. Love. Uh, you just not, you just froze for a second. Sorry. I said you're not doing this for anybody else but yourself. Yeah. You know, you're not doing this for anybody. I had somebody tell me, um, but why would I not like? Why would I not sleep with this person? Or why would I not be with this person? Like. I'm not like, I'm not cheating on anybody, but you're cheating on yourself. Mm. Hold yourself to a higher standard. Don't cheat on yourself. You are a God. You are a goddess. Treat yourself like that. And then people will start treating you like that. Right. You know? Yeah. Only, only invite the ones that revere you in that way. Yes. You deserve to be loved. You deserve to be love. You deserve so much. You really do. Mm-hmm. It's really time to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. You are so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing so openly and vulnerably. I know you've been through a lot. And, you know, when I heard your story and I see this beautiful goddess that you are and all of the things that all of your own darkness that you had to um, overcome, you know, and, and 
peeling away those layers of hurt and coming to this place of recognizing your own beautiful shining light within you. Yes. So thank you for coming and sharing your story and you're so inspiring and you're going to do amazing work in this world. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to be on here to share myself with you and to also gain and hear you and your knowledge as well. Thank mm. you. So if people want to get in touch with you, Starlight, how do they? So my Instagram, I have two for my channeled messages. It's a new Instagram account called Starlight Messages. Okay. At Starlight Messages on Instagram. And then my personal one, if you want to know a little bit more about me and my personality, which I post a lot of. <laughs> on so my those fun little videos of like that guy playing the drums and his kid <laughs> playing the guitar. All of it, all of it. It's yeah. me experiencing life my eyes yeah that's under my old name which is at alisa arvin mm -hmm. a-l-i-s-a-a-r-v-i-n-d and the name my name on there will be divine rainbow starlight um, but the handle is still alisa arvin for people who knew me and need to still right. find who do have to <laughs> she's still a part of you <laughs> She's uh, she is a part of me. Yes, yeah, she is. She's a beautiful part of you, a very strong, amazing woman who endured a lot of stuff so that she could become Starlight. Because of her that I'm here. Yeah. Really yeah. So um, for all of you listeners, I, the thing that, uh, you know, Elisa Starlight has been talking about um, is really this most important relationship that you'll ever have is the one that you have with yourself, that it all comes back to coming home to yourself. And so all of this wisdom that Starlight shared with us, if you feel like this would benefit uh, anybody that you know, you know, please subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast and share far and wide because we are both candles trying to shine our light so that other people come home to themselves and feel that sense of love and acceptance for who they are so that they can create, you know, better relationships with other people and feel this sense of community and communion and being held and recognizing our own divinity within us. So, um, yeah. So every day, I'm, I just want to thank you so much starlight for being here and i'm so excited to continue to follow you on your journey i'm going to come i'm going to come meet you in mexico yes please come. i'm going to be here till mid of january so i'm going to i'm going to come to some tantra stuff with you <laughs> yes please yes please <laughs> i need to do that whole experience of uh you know eliminating my own limitations yes it's so i'd be scared i'd be like ah i don't know if i can do this Yes, but can. with other brave people around me, I probably could muster up the courage. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'll be there just cheering you on. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. Um, anytime you want to come have a beautiful conversation, you're more than welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah. You so, need me. Feel free to reach you. out. Thank you. So every day, listeners wake up to more and more real love. We'll see you next time. Take care. Oh, 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 oh,
subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, leave five-star reviews, and of course, share with your friends. You can find Dawn on various social media platforms at Dawn Richard or at The Awakening with Dawn.